I don't normally start my talks with kind of in-house sort of conversations, but uh, you know, as a church, we've just done that vision thing where we've talked about what we want to see in 2028, and kind of the, the guts of it is the joy of Jesus on our sleeves. So you know, a lot of the time, I'm going to be saying to you, "Be more joyful, all right," uh, and hopefully that'll help. As as part of that, we've also done probably the biggest kind of budget we've ever done. I think it involves all of us thinking about whether we can give maybe six or seven dollars more a week, which is kind of a big thing. Uh, And then beyond the church stuff, there's all the other stuff that we're going to start thinking about. Because we've just been in that kind of sweet week where you sort of get to forget what day it is. Uh, between Christmas and New Year, if you wake up and know what day it is, you have had a win. And so we've been on a break from thinking about what happens, and suddenly that is all going to start ticking back on. And we look into 2023 and we're thinking, okay, there was not much rain in December. What is going to happen next? Uh, Then there's the R words. We could possibly have the first recession since I was in grade three, which is a very long time. And then even as a church, there are so many things, it seems, every single year that could kind of stack up against us and make things difficult. How is it that we will chart a course through that? How will we make it to the destination with so many of those unknowns and those uncertainties beating at our door? And in tonight's passage, what we do is meet a group of disciples who are really going to be quite concerned about the next part of their journey. They're going to be faced with a lot of uncertainty and they're thinking about how will we get through this and somehow Jesus' I am statement becomes the answer to their concern. Uh, I have to do a little bit of a, a backstory here because what ticks around Jesus' I am statement in John's gospel that we've been looking at is a, a lot of stuff that Jesus has been saying, which in essence, if you wanted to shorten three chapters of the Bible here, it would be Jesus saying to his disciples, um, chill out. Uh, Whether it was 2023 or AD 33, Jesus is saying, even though what's ahead is unknown, in verse 1 to 4, they've got a confident future. Uh, This is the famous moment of the Last Supper. In John's Gospel from chapter 13, Jesus has a meal up in a room with his disciples, and they don't know it, but it's the last one. And in John's Gospel, he just has a conversation with them for three chapters Just before what's happened right here, Judas has been named as the betrayer, one of Jesus' closest. Peter doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about when he says he's going. And we're also told that Peter will deny Jesus along with the rest of the disciples. Judas is a betrayer. Peter doesn't know what's going on. They're all going to deny Jesus. And Jesus has just said, I'm about to go. And in chapter 14, Jesus starts with this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he told them in chapter 13, I'm going to my father's house. But as they keep eating, he explains a little bit more what his dad's house is like. It's a house with many rooms that... 
the original language here, the Greek, it's a house with many mansions, which doesn't really make sense to us. Uh, someone in the 1030 congregation said to me, oh, in Spanish, that's this word. It was not helpful at all. Um, we don't speak Spanish. But uh, the closest we've got is it's a house with many abodes. Uh, it's meant to have a sense of warmth and that, you know, there's lots of life and niceness sort of happening there. He says in verse 2, My father's house has many rooms, many, many abodes. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place to you for you? I am going. I'm getting a room ready. And it wouldn't make any sense to prepare such a beautiful abode unless he was planning on coming back to get them. And in verse 3, he says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. They're sitting there eating what will be their last meal with Jesus. He will be dead in 24 hours from now. Jesus tells them he's going. And he says whatever they walk through in the meantime, they have a confident and beautiful future ahead of them. That's the promise of believers in Jesus, isn't it? A confident and beautiful home to go to. You know, I reckon when we think about the future, my experience is people fit into one of two kind of categories. Um, there's the people for whom everything is really positive, it's going to work out, and the people where everything is really negative, or, or generally negative. You know those people who are really positive? Um, it's all sunshine and rainbows and kind of, it'll be all right, don't worry about it, she'll be right. And they say that and they believe it. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> then there are other people who, given on the balance of things, you just sort of think things are going to go wrong. Uh, if it sort of can break, it will probably break in, in some way. Um, people think like that and I'm probably one of them. Planes will crash, the drought will win, the church will die, so will our dog. Uh, frankly, we'll be lucky to get out of here without the roof falling down. But those approaches of being completely positive and completely negative, there's a sense here where Jesus says, actually, neither of those is quite right for the Christian person. Neither of those is quite right. Because Judas would betray Jesus. They would deny him. He would be crucified. And even though he'd be resurrected, they would be persecuted. It would be hard. But actually, on the other side, Jesus could say they had a confident future. And in the midst of it all, that should ease their hearts. The answer is not glossing over or obsessing over what might happen. No, what Jesus says is just look to the future as their followers walk through uncertainty. As a young bloke, one of my dire moments of uncertainty was whether or not uh, the billy cart we had made would make it down the hill beside our neighbour's house. Um, we made it at the baker's where the dad and two of the baker boys, not baker boy, just to be clear, uh, their dad was um, George, he welded up a frame, we figured out how to acquire some old mower wheels and stick them on there. Obviously it's this one right here. Um, 
obviously the one we made. We ran it down the hill beside their house and that didn't go well. So then what we did was stole one of those handbrakes off the side of the bike and we put it on one of the back wheels. Now, if, any, if you know at all what you're doing, which clearly we didn't, when you put a brake on one of the back wheels, <laughs> things go sideways in a spectacular turn, a roll, and something called a spiral fracture. Uh, we were the blind leading the blind leading the blind. There's no kind of firm hand on the wheel to guide us. Jesus is here saying, hey, listen, I, I'm about to fly the coop. It's true. But whether there's sunshine or doom, do not worry. There will be a firm hand on the wheel. In verse 5 and 6, his words to them are, you will have a certain guide. You get this question from the Apostle Thomas in verse 5. And I think it's a question lots of us have in one way or another. The, the, the way you might say it is, um, Jesus, so honestly, what are you actually talking about? And will you please tell us what to do tomorrow? Verse 5, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Which is funny, because Thomas knew the answer was the Father's house. But what he can see is here is Jesus saying he is going, and over there is the Father's house, and he doesn't understand the bridge in between. How do, I, how do I bridge that gap? And Jesus' answer is, it's all me, only me, just me. This is our I am statement for this week in verse 6. Jesus answers Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, Jesus is the exclusive way to get to and be received by his Father God. There is no other way. Now, I am aware for many people that is uh, a controversial, if not arrogant, thing to say, that the only way to what is truly spiritual, that there's only one way to the true God of the universe, you know, how can that be? It can't just be Jesus. But think about it for a moment. Uh, like, let me paint a picture for a bit and then I'll come back to it. Let's say there's a guy who uh, really likes football and he watches a lot of football and that kind of stuff. And he's really in love uh, with a girl. And he really wants to woo her. Now, let's say this girl uh, knows nothing about football and is not remotely interested in football and that I might have married her. Um, and this guy over here says, no, 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 no. The way I'm going to love you is we are going to watch football, I'm going to get you football magazines, we're going to have football jerseys, and if you're lucky, I'll get you the football guards with gum. That is the way I'm going to love you. What's that girl going to do? You're going to leave. <laughs> because you actually do not get to decide how someone is loved. You do not get to decide what somebody else likes. We simply do not get to do that. And Jesus is saying that here. 
He's saying, you do not get to decide how it is that God, my Father, is loved. And you do not get to decide how he wants you to get there. Christianity is about knowing a personal God personally. The whole existence is about a relationship with a real and personal God. That's why Jesus can say to Thomas and to us, Whatever uncertainty comes, the destination is the Father, and I am the sure and certain guide. There's an obviousness to that for Christians. We, we sort of know it. But I wonder if we have it in front of our face as often as we should. The destination is the Father's place. Jesus is the sure and certain guide. I should know what to do given the option to take a shortcut on my taxes or to skip the GST and, and just pay directly. I, I should know to be honest and, and lose some money and trust Jesus that whatever happens, he's going to be my sure and certain guide. If the destination is that father's house and the Christ who died for my sins is, is the escalator there, I should know what to do when I think my plane is going to crash. Realise that it probably won't. And even if it does, Jesus is the ticket to the Father's destination already paid for. It's Jesus, all Jesus, just Jesus, that will take us to the destination. As we built our billy cart in the early 90s, the destination was a combination of awesomeness and uh, survival without a lot of paralysis. And for that, the dad, George, turned out to be doing more than we thought. Uh, George was a fisherman, very handy. I mentioned before that he had welded up the billy cart frame. But after a while, what we had realised was that later on at night, he was fixing it. <laughs> he was the, the reason that the wheels were actually still on there. It was him who took off the one-sided brake and put on... So, you know you can put a brake on two wheels? Uh, he did that. Uh, and not all the time, but many Sunday arvos, he'd be quietly pottering around providing tools, hinting what to do to fix things. And like many dads, he, he just wanted to make it so we could do more amazing things than we actually really imagined. And Jesus here is telling his disciples that when he goes, things will actually be better than they think. When Jesus leaves, things will improve because Jesus' dad is going to do something. For all those who believe, they will be able to do more than they had ever imagined. That's where we're going to go in verse 7 to 14. And one of the 12 disciples pipes up again and he says to Jesus, at least before you go, can you show us the real deal? Verse 8, it's Philip. Lord, show us the Father, God, and that will be enough for us. Along with the rest of the disciples, Philip hadn't quite understood. Uh, it wasn't as though Jesus was the apprentice and then you got to God and he was like the real builder. That's not what's going on. They're completely in sync. You see Jesus, you see the Father, you see the Father, you see Jesus, that kind of mysterious doctrine of the Christian Trinity. They, they can't be separated. 
And down towards the end of verse 9, Jesus is replying to Philip, Hey, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And then the kind of craziest of things. Jesus says they'll be better off when he goes. Jesus' death and resurrection is going to be the way to do something more amazing. And this time he talks not just to the group of now 11 eating with him. He says for everyone who believes, everyone who will one day call themselves Christians in verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. It's a big statement because only a few chapters ago he's raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, He's also walked on water, turned a couple of fish and a bit of bread into enough to feed 5,000. Has anybody here brought someone back to life? Good, okay, there's normally one doctor here which made that a little dicey. Uh, walked on water I'll take barefoot skiing yep got a couple of those what does he mean when he says you know you will do even greater things than I have done even greater things than these see the whole mission for Jesus was to show people his father and the way to his father All those miracles he did, they were only ever meant to point to what was the real great work, the astounding great thing, that people's sins could be forgiven, that people could live in that warm abode and know the truth of the Father. And that could only happen after the cross, after our sins had been paid for, after Jesus conquered death, after the God of his universe made his home in believers by the Spirit. And with the Father watching on and the Son cheering on and the Spirit powering on, billions of people on earth have taken up the path to a room in God's house. Astoundingly greater things. And Jesus says to his disciples, you ask for anything that will make my name bigger. You ask for anything that will let people know the path to the Father is me. You ask for anything like that. And that is a thing I will delight to give you. It is Jesus who leads us to the unbeatable home of the Father of heaven and earth. You know, as we're finishing, I do want to remind us that this passage speaks to those of us with a bit of a negative or or an anxious mind. And I want us to hear the tools from Jesus for the kind of negative Nellies of us. You know what negative Nellies means, right? Just kind of always a... I was going to say a Debbie Downer, but then I'd have to explain that. You know what I mean. Um, plane flight, your crop, relationship with the boss, employee, test results. You run over it in your head over and over, just thinking about what might happen, and you think, oh, I've got a heart that's troubled. <laughs> it's the opposite. And of course, here's the thing, it might go wrong, you know, you always might crash, you might go bankrupt, you might be terminal. I, I hope it's not the case. But the, the thing for us is not to throw our hands in the air. 
There's always a better future. There's always a certain guide with us. Christians are not living people who are just sadly getting ready to die. We're dying people getting ready to live. What the gospel says to each other of us is that there is no thing or other person that will lead us through the obstacles of 2023 better than Jesus. And so there are things you must say to yourself as a Christian. There'll be things you're saying to yourself at this time of year probably anyway. I want to work harder. I want to work less. I want to lose weight. I want to do more exercise. But these are the things we really need to be saying. If Jesus says it's him who brings us to the unbeatable home of his father, we must say to ourselves, Jesus brings me to the unbeatable home of his father. Again and again and again. And no matter what happens, we'll always have someone and somewhere to be received. In the middle of all that we are as a church, because of Jesus' I am words, together we actually have more power than we realise. You guys know there are so many things that could drag us down. Just so many things. There is so much information about how to do church and do Christian living these days. It is a miracle that any of us are here together. A miracle of the gospel. So much financial uncertainty. Will you and will we get there? With all our prayers and plans and hopes that our friends and, faith, our friends and family will come to faith in Jesus, will that really happen? What will do that? What thing will drive us to have a joyful, God-grounded kind of, I don't know, success? And the answer is, it's only Jesus, all Jesus, just Jesus. His name has always brought people to the Father's house. All who believe in him, whoever believe in him, get to be part of seeing that work grow. You can do even greater things than him. And he didn't say, except for those in the second and third back row, which at 5pm is most is. He said, for all who believe... So listen, we've talked about this word, and I just, it's a dumb word, but I just want to talk about how it helps us. The word we talk about at DPC for a while is gimmets, G-I-M-A-T-S. It's a word really about helping us to share the name of Jesus with others. The G is the idea that we go uh, out in love and be with our friends and be with our family and do just what Jesus did, walk into the spaces where they are. We go and do that. The I, we invite them to our stuff. Out of love and care, we receive people to abide with us. In whatever form, we do hospitality and we share our life and home with them. And the M is we mix. We introduce them to others that Jesus has brought into his home as well. I'll stop at the G-I-M of gimmicks because they're the ones that really flow out of the I-M statement. But you know, as we start 2023, our prayer ought to be that we would realise the greater things we are part of. As Jesus spreads his joy through the kind of going, inviting and mixing of a church family that loves bringing people together in the footsteps of the Saviour who brings us together with his Father. Father. 